Wait, what? So this happened. I'm Rachel Vellisnor, and this is episode one of Hell is Not the End. Although it feels like just the beginning sometimes. Is anything really the end, though? This podcast is meant to explore the limitless possibilities of one's own soul. Why do people do bad things? Why are there countless happenings beyond understanding? Why, when we are cautioned not to do something, do we just do it anyway? The definition of curiosity, a strong desire to know or learn something. There you have it. I will curiously explore why. Hell is not the end. During the construction of the Matterhorn, dirt from the excavation of Sleeping Beauty's Castle Moat was piled in an area between Fantasyland and Tomorrowland. When the park opened, they called it Holiday Hill and later Lookout Mountain. They added benches and a pathway to encourage a resemblance of a picnic area. After the opening of the Disneyland Skyway in 1956, a toboggan ride was conceived with real snow. Logistically, however, this was not possible. Snow Hill was now its nickname for the time being. The structure continued to be a decorative overlay to camouflage the central pylon of the Disneyland Skyway. In a moment of inspiration, on an extended Switzerland vacation, Walt Disney sent a postcard to Imagineer and architect Vic Green. The message was simple. Vic, build this, Walt. What did the postcard picture exactly? You guessed it, the Matterhorn. How the Matterhorn would look was inspired by the one in the Swiss Alps. Like many other Disney attractions, they employed forced perspective to make the mountain seem larger. So, very recently I was talking with my sister and some family members about what a huge bummer it is that we can't go anywhere, we can't do anything, and that we certainly can't do any of our favorite things. One of those things being going to Disneyland, aka the happiest place on earth, thanks to a certain pandemic called COVID-19. Our new normal is social distancing, wearing masks, and carrying pocket-sized hand sanitizer, but this podcast is nothing to do with that. We started to joke about when Disneyland reopens, if they would open it up to limited crowds, and if that would bring shorter wait times to all our favorite rides. My cousin Jack blurts out, I would pay extra for that! I said, well, more like yelled it, I would absolutely pay extra. I said, can you imagine the whole park at your disposal? Then we started talking about the perks of the Fast Pass. Which rides are worth waiting for and which rides warranted getting the Fast Pass for? Me and my family always make a plan. FYI, I do have an app on my phone that will tell me how long of a wait time I am in for, for any specific ride at any given time. I can be impatient, ask my kid. My sis said, talk about impatience, what about Matterhorn? No fast passes available, and yet we still managed to wait in that very long line for two minutes of happiness. Last time we went, anyways. Here is where my brain goes. Isn't it fitting that the ride that had the very first Disneyland death would then withhold the fast pass from you? They stared at me with obvious curiosity. Tell us more, they didn't say, so naturally I continued. I gave them a rundown of the story that I've read about on and off over the years. But since I relayed the story, I decided to do some better digging just to make sure I didn't tell them anything outrageous. Turns out I learned a few things. It has inspired me to relay the info just in case there's anyone else out there like me that may be curious too. Here goes. In May of 1964, a 15-year-old boy named Mark Maples from Long Beach, California was injured after he stood up on the Matterhorn bobsled ride. 
As the bobsled he was riding in reached the peak of the mountain, he was thrown from the sled to the track below. Now there are two separate accounts of this. He was either thrown from the track below or he tumbled all the way to the bottom of the ride onto the concrete floor. It was reported that this restraint had been undone. Whether Mark Maples unbuckled the restraint himself or if it was undone by one of his companions, it's suspiciously unknown. He suffered a fractured skull, fractured ribs, as well as other internal injuries. He sadly died three days later as a result of his injuries. A strange speculation haunts this incident. If Mark Maples himself had undone his restraint, why? If one of his companions would undo his restraint, why? An immediate accusation against his companions was that this was due to a club hazing ritual. Mark Maples didn't go to Disneyland with the intention of hanging out with these two companions. He accidentally ran into them before going on this ride where they agreed to go together. Rewind. Two weeks before the incident, there was an interaction between his two riding companions, having to do with an invite to a social club that had nothing to do with school. It was a social club that encouraged a political dialogue. Mark Maples was an interest in this club. The school year was ending, and a social club was not what he had in mind. According to the incident accounts of the two companions who were also both 15, the boy behind him said, I was looking up, heard a noise, looked down and recognized Mark's sweater as he was falling over the side. The boy in front of him said, I felt him bump into me, but there was no way to tell what he was actually doing. Since it was a bumpy ride, there was no way he could see what happened or how it happened, right? Both boys said it was dark and impossible to see whether or not Mark Maple stood up or whether he undid his own restraint. They also made a point to say that this was no hazing ritual. They met him accidentally before the ride, agreed to go together, discussed where they would sit in the bobsled while waiting for an empty one, and they maintained that they discussed nothing out of the ordinary. Creepy note, when I came across Mark Maple's obituary, when the two companions were interviewed, when I identified their personal information was disclosed, like their physical addresses, stalker much? The Matterhorn bobsled opened on June 14, 1959. It was the first tubular steel continuous track roller coaster ever constructed, an attraction composed of two intertwining steel roller coasters. The Matterhorn was modeled after a mountain of the same name in the Swiss Alps. I've never really liked the Matterhorn, but when they were young, my girls and my nephew all remember how scary the Yeti is. And let's be honest, you know you closed your eyes passing that scary-ass Yeti. The Matterhorn would be the site of yet another death 20 years later, inter January 3, 1984. Regina Dolly Young, 48 years of age, better known as Dolly, was a lone bobsledder rider. With her restraint undone, she was thrown backwards from her bobsled to land on the tracks behind only to be struck by the next bobsled that was traveling 20 miles per hour. Since she was riding alone, there was no way to say for sure if she undid her own restraint or if it malfunctioned. Cast member accounts maintain that she had to pass through two separate restraint checks 
before the ride even started. One report noted that Dolly Young was in fact decapitated. That was one report. All the other reports just kind of glaze over the fact that she was run over by the next oncoming bobsled. All reports assured us that no injuries reported in that bobsled. What about that lifetime of therapy, people? Anyways, four years after the incident, Disneyland's spokesperson told LA Times in 1988 that the type of restraint used for the Matterhorn bobsled ride had been changed. The ride had previously used a friction fastener where you slide the belt through the buckle and the buckle closes in on it. Now the restraint would be a snap-in like the one you'd see in a modern-day motor vehicle. The spokesman made sure to note that this restraint change had nothing to do with the latest Matterhorn death, but the change had been made due to the maker of the previous restraint just simply going out of business. During the court case of Dolly Young's accident, her estranged husband, along with her two adult sons, tried to prove the extreme negligence on Disneyland's part, asking permission to introduce bloody pictures of the accident in court, also asking permission to inspect all the Matterhorn bobsleds for any defects. The family was awarded a settlement of an undisclosed amount. Whether the bobsled Dolly Young was riding in had any defects or if her restraint had malfunctioned, there were no witnesses to say one way or the other. Cast members working have always maintained they have checked her restraints twice before letting the bobsled proceed. She has also earned her place in Disneyland's most awesome superstitious history. The exact spot of Dolly Young's accident is known as Dolly's Dip. My family and I have heard that uttered many times while standing in line for our turn to ride the Matterhorn. Now I absolutely understand the significance. I had heard stories but it pales in comparison to some good old-fashioned digging. Here's a fun fact. In the early days of Disneyland, guests would buy individual tickets based on experience. A, B, C, D, or E tickets. The Matterhorn was OGE ticket. Amazing experience. FYI, the Matterhorn's Yeti, introduced in 1978, is named Harold. One last note. I read a crazy legend about one of the landowners before Disneyland was built. It was known to be occupied by orchards of orange trees. One farmer slash landowner refused to sell his land. He apparently said, over my dead body will you build that amusement park. As unfortunate luck would have it, he soon dies tending to his crops. The family decided to bury him on the land that he loved so much. The family that inherited the land had no interest in farming it and ended up selling it to the land to build, wait for it, Disneyland. The legend ends, of course, with the amusement park being built on, yes, the farmer's land, and land where he is buried and the exact site of the burial is none other than the Matterhorn bobsleds. That farmer said it best, as this amusement park we know as Disneyland is built over his dead body. Me and my family will no doubt visit Disneyland in the nearest future possible. Special thanks to all the reading materials I could get my hands on, internet mostly. Thanks to Bustle, Find a Grave, Showbiz Cheat Sheet, and Wikideath.org. Also, special shout out to Richard Carradine, who wrote The Park After Dark, an original unauthorized guide to the happiest haunted place on Earth. Thanks so much for listening. I am Rachel Vallis-Nor, and this is the podcast, Hell is Not the End.